You are listening to episode 39 of Fearless Rebel Radio. In this episode, I am interviewing my friend Alan Standish, who is a fellow podcaster, and he hosts one of my absolute favorite podcasts. It's it's a new one called Inner Effort, but prior to that, he was hosting one of my favorite ones called Progress Not Perfection. And in this episode, we chat about how he overcame 15 to 20 years of binge eating and poor self-image to be a full-time imperfectionist. So if you've ever struggled with perfectionism, then you don't want to miss this episode. Before we begin, I just want to announce something that I am super excited about. I am starting or I have started a free online community for women who are ready to say, I am fabulous just the way I am and screw anyone who thinks otherwise. And this community is for men too, because it's inclusive. But one thing I've noticed is that in my programs, so my 21 step body image remix and my rock your body group program, that each of those programs have a private online community. And the majority of women agree that that community aspect is one of the key elements of their success. It's a place where we empower each other, we support one another, and it's really a reprieve from your diet obsessed social media atmosphere and media obsessed culture that we live in. And so I wanted to offer something um, to a broader audience and to do it for free and to create a space online for women to get support, empower one another, uh, ask questions on your journey to body love and overcoming issues with food. So it's going to be a place where you can share body positive and anti-diet inspiration. So articles, videos, things like that. You can ask questions and support fellow women on their journey. You'll get exclusive notification of Q&A sessions with me, so I'll be answering your questions live. So it'll just be a space where we can build a little bit more of a one-on-one connection so I can help you with your burning questions uncensored as always. And it'll just be a space where you can be with women who get what you're going through because doing this kind of work is so much more powerful when you have a posse of women behind you. And I'll be there to give you scissor kicks and, uh, you know, rock on with all of your successes along the way. So to join, go to summerinanin.com forward slash community. It's just a free uh, group on Facebook. It's going to be private, so no one will be able to see what you're posting in there aside from the your fellow members in the group. So once again, go to summerinanin.com forward slash community and join for free now and we can partay inside the group. Okay, uh, before we begin, just another reminder that you can grab my free ebook with 10 rules to break right now to love your body and ditch dieting by going to summerinanin.com or thebodyimagecoach.com. Uh, both of those places, you'll find the link to grab that free ebook as well as information on the exciting new community, Passe Entourage. And yeah, I think that's all I wanted to mention. Let's get started with the show. Do you know where you are? You're in Fearless Rebel Radio, baby. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode, I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice, not-so-PG-rated rants, and interviews with fearless rebel guests. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. I am very excited for you to meet today's guest. I was actually on his podcast, Progress Not Perfection, a few months ago. And so I'm excited to have him here today and to turn the tables and to chat with him. And this person that I'm referring to is Mr. Alan Standish. Alan is a writer, small business owner, and podcaster. 
He enjoys sharing his journey of trying to find balance and the tools and techniques he's learned from others. He started sharing details of his own struggles and talking with others, beginning with the Quit Binge Eating podcast in 2012. In 2014, that podcast then morphed into the Progress Not Perfection podcast. Alan quickly, quickly, I'm sorry. Alan currently lives in Kansas City, quickly, with his wonderful wife and three amazing kids. Welcome to the show, Alan. Uh, hi, Summer. You did a fantastic job. <laughs> <laughs> and we're both imperfectionists, so there will be no editing there. I'm going to leave that mistake Excellent. in. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you for saying that. Very cool. Yeah. I, and uh, by the way, did you know, before I get you to really introduce your own self, that imperfectionist is not a word? Uh, I was just going to go with the flow with what you said. <laughs> 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 imperfectionist is not a word I, you, you know if you put it in a spell check we'll show it up as like that being a gram like a spelling error and so i've decided that i feel like we should make that a word you, yeah you, let's just own that one for today we're, we're both going to be imperfectionists it. okay i i like that i like that a lot <laughs> and that's that's been a big challenge of mine for years and i love hearing someone just say we're going to own it yeah yes 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 so before we dig in and start talking about imperfection and many other things why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today okay well i'll give you the short short version and then we can go into whatever we want to go into here um but basically i'm a i'm a 40-ish year old fella who has always struggled with uh several different challenges um, back in 2012, I finally was able to overcome almost 15, 20 years worth of, I don't necessarily would say it would be binge eating disorder because I wasn't formally diagnosed, but it was definitely, it meets all the criteria of, of binge eating, uh, disorder bed. And I started the podcast, uh, the quit binge eating podcast to talk about my experiences because as a, as a guy, especially as a middle-aged guy, there wasn't a whole lot of resources out there talking about males with, uh, with these type of, you know, different eating challenges. Um, I mean, I was one of those fellows who, who spent years and years going into the library and pulling out different books, you know, and, and most of them written by wonderful women talking about eating disorders and eating challenges because I was just trying to come to grips with my own challenge. I mean, for me, it really, my, my challenges really hit me hard uh, during college and then all throughout my professional years afterwards. I mean, I mean, st- literally straight through up until my uh, age 40 for me. And there was a lot of great content out there, but it just didn't, re- some of it didn't resonate for me until, oh goodness, probably a year or two before I started the Quit Binging podcast. I, I literally stumbled upon a book talking about meditation and how it can help you with so many different uh, challenges. You know, and you're hand, handling that constant, you know, inner monologue always going on. And I started practicing meditation, and it was really one of the best tools that had actually, that where I started to actually see results with my binge eating. I mean, I was binge eating. And I was a night eater, by the way, Summer. So, mm. you know, I was one of those guys that, you know, I, I, management jobs all the time. I could keep my cool and stay under control. But underneath that calm, cool exterior was just not rage, but just boiling, you know, oh, my goodness. I, so many things to do. And I felt out of control inside, but I always had to maintain that calm, cool exterior. Couldn't make any mistakes, you know, in front of my my subordinates or my my, my, my bosses, right? And so at home, it would just all kind of, all that would collapse. <laughs> and, and I would, I guess you could say I would soothe myself by just falling into some of the most massive binges at night. You know, after a whole, the, the family went to bed, I would, I would uh, basically sneak into the kitchen and nothing was off limits. And, and, and just like in classical binge eating disorder, I don't really even remember a lot of the episodes until I kind of, kind of waking up at the table, right, with a bunch of stuff around me. Or, you know, in, in, in the living room, I can maybe pick, take something from the kitchen and sit in the living room and, and, and just, just, you know, bags of chips. It just would be gone. And I don't even really remember eating it. Um, but that would soothe me enough and comfort me enough to where I could actually go to bed and kind of sleep. You know, nothing like going to bed sickly sick, right, with a full stomach. But that's what I needed, I guess, at the time. I don't know. But uh, meditation allowed me to finally get some control over that. And... Um, a couple months after I started seeing some real results with my meditation, I 
I stumbled across a couple other uh, techniques to, to, to handle that kind of that monkey mind of mine, you know, those, those urges. And uh, slowly but surely, um, over another year, well, probably closer to six months, I, I was able to get full control. Now, I wasn't fully recovered. I'm, I'm in a, you know, and I still say I'm in a recovery state with it. But I felt comfortable enough that I wanted to share what had happened for me um, on a podcast. And I just picked the name, Quit Binge Eating, because <laughs> that's what the podcast was about. And uh, I've, by the way, I'd always listened to podcasts for years and years and years. I'm, I was always uh, addicted to the podcast. Anytime I would do lawn work or work around the house or was on a drive, you know, I commuted, I always was listening to podcasts. And I just thought it would be so cool to be one of those guys that could talk about something you know, that affected his own life and share that. And that's what allowed me to start the Quit Binge Eating podcast. And, you know, I, I, I never try to pretend I was an expert on anything, just wanted to share my experiences. And then it kind of grew into me reaching out and talking to different folks, both experts and everyday people about their, you know, about this eating challenge, binge eating. And I've met some wonderful people, wonderful, wonderful people with this podcast, including yourself, just 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 being able to connect with folks on the podcast and, and sharing our stories um, and then but last year, about this time last year, that podcast then morphed into the, uh, progress, not perfection podcast, because, you know, here it is, I'd been going on a couple of years where with my own eating challenge, mostly in control, right. But not, you know, I wasn't perfect, but mostly in control. And I, I wanted to grow it and talk about really what I, I finally late last year, early last year, I began to discover what my own challenge was. And it was just, I didn't like myself. I hated myself. I'd always had, you know, and that, and, and, and when I finally got to that issue, and again, this, you're talking to a 40 something guy who's never gone to a therapist or, but he reads a lot of, uh, of self-help books who, who talks to a lot of folks. And it was having that podcast and, and reaching out and talking to different uh, therapists and experts and kind of hearing their own struggles and echoing it back to me, I was able to see what my challenge was. And it was that just massive self-judgmental, um, not happy with who I am or who I was and, and being a constant perfectionist. Cause that's, that's, I, and I realized when that all hit me, it's like, I literally, since the day I was born, I think was a perfectionist. I don't know. And in those struggles and the challenges that come with that constantly, trying to do everything perfectly so you wouldn't have someone point out your imperfection or you did something wrong because I, I would just die of shame of an embarrassment, you know, anytime. I mean, even an email with a misplaced comma or a period, I would just almost just want to just explode, right? Or not explode, but just, you know, melt and, and, and get away from the situation. That's how, how much it scared me. So I started the Progress Not Perfection podcast, just, or didn't start it, but it morphed into that. And that's where it is today, and it's it's actually looking like it's going to morph again. So uh, that that's I guess I said I was going to be the short short version. It turned into the short medium long version. Summer of, of <laughs> how I where I was and where I've come to today. Yeah, well, it's just I mean, it's such an interesting story, and I I just have to say I truly do love your podcast. I just think you have some phenomenal guests on there, and. Um, it is one that I, I really do, uh, like truly wholeheartedly recommend to people because, um, I think there's a lot of podcasts out there and this is just not, no offense to any of, of the, the podcasters themselves, but you know, they can sort of send people with eating issues further down the rabbit hole. Um, like there's a lot of kind of, you know, nutrition health-based podcasts, yes, yes. uh, and, and yours is not one of those. <laughs> yours truly is like a genuine, um, you know, we'll use the word self-help, but, um, you know, a, a, like a, a genuinely helpful, uh, podcast really looking at sort of like the, those emotional and, and mental relationships that we have with ourselves and with food. I, I tell you, I think a lot of it turned into uh, the, the, the way I, I came toward that though was. For all those years where I struggled with binge eating, summer I was you know, not happy with my own body. You know, I was a very large guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm still a big guy, but I'm nowhere near the weight I used to be. And you know, I was that guy that went on different diets all the time. And I, I began to realize as I got away from the dieting and just focused on what was going on be between my ears that it wasn't about the food. And I always say this: it's not about the food, mm -hmm. and it's not about the nutrition. I'm sure a lot of people will want to argue with me. And I guess I should caveat that with saying it's in my case, everything I'm talking about here. And I've always said this, this is everything is it, 
how I've discovered for myself. And that's, that's what I try to talk to for my own situation, you know, and, and maybe situations where I've talked with uh, other folks and they share theirs. But, you know, in, in most of the cases, it's never about the food. It's about, you know, either some past struggle or some inner challenge that that we all have in food, it's just very natural to eat, right? We have to eat. We have to eat every day, and um, because we get pleasure from the food, some of us, you know, twist that quite a bit, and and it forms into an eating disorder, like binge eating disorder. I mean, there's different eating disorders out there, and they all have different reasons for them. But uh, for me, it all started really between the ears. Yeah, and so let's talk a bit about that. You know, the how how a lot of it you mentioned was kind of triggered by the not liking yourself and, and poor body image. And for, you know, for being a man, I think that that, um, well, number one, I feel like it takes a lot of courage to talk about that, especially being a man. I think it takes a lot of courage to talk about that being anybody, just being human, <laughs> but, um, especially being a man, like, do you, did, do you have any comments or thoughts on how how that sort of manifests differently with with men like based on based on your experience like what what were sort of the pressures for you or or how did that impact you and and trigger sort of that relationship with food Good question Re- really good question L- Let me first I want to address your comment about saying it being courageous it's you know what when when you reach the age I'm at and when you've kind of make your own self discoveries, you kind of your I would say your give a damn kind of goes away. And I'd really have learned I don't care what other people think of me, and that <laughs> yes. helped me so much with my my perfectionism, right? Yes. <laughs> and so I don't know if it's courageous more than it's I'm so tired after living this false life for all these years, you know, trying to pretend what other you're worried not pretend. I literally worried about what everyone thought of me and what I could do for everyone else. That to now understand that this is my life and I have my immediate family here to take care of and I don't want my boys to grow up with the same type of struggle. It That's what made it so easy to be able to talk about this. Someone comes up to me on the street and says, hey, you're Alan Standish. I, you know, I listen to your podcast. That's right. That's fine. That Yes, I did struggle with overeating. I can't tell you how many times I ate 20,000 calories in a night. Yeah, it happens, man. And so as a guy, you know, I... I Kind of a different, maybe different generational thing here, and I'm not sure of the different ages of the folks that listen to this podcast. But uh, you know, when I was a kid, I it was. And my parents were wonderful parents, by the way. They weren't one of. I didn't have one of those dads that said, you know, boys don't cry or anything like that. He just he was just a very busy father, you know, uh, working all the time. He had he ran his own business and provided wonderfully for us, but. He just wasn't one of those really strict type of fathers who who would say, you know, boys don't cry. We don't, you know, we just work hard. Uh, but it was all internal on myself because of my friends in the environment that I grew up in. Mm. It was very much a male, you know, rough, rough, rough type of, you know, guy, right? Sports, everything that we, uh, we, we did, you know, from watching TV, the Rambo movies, you know, all this type of stuff. I, I'm such a child of the seventies and eighties. You could tell here, but, uh, was, <laughs> I'm a child of the eighties too. You're not that far off from me. So it just, <laughs> stuff totally resonates. <laughs> But that's what the ideal male was like, right? You didn't see some big or just even medium overweight guy on television. And 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 this was before the internet. And so I just know the kids today have it so much harder, right, with the images that come out. But, you know, that's, that's what the typical guy was like. And, you know, and all my friends, and they're good friends, but we all just kind of grew up with that idea of we got to be tough. You can never let them see you cry. You can never complain, bitch or whine, you know, about anything, even though, by the way, the truth is when the guys are together and there's no women listening, they're just the biggest group of whiners and complainers you ever did here. Shh, don't tell the, the women folk that. But that's the truth. But uh, the, but but when it comes to, you know, guys, it's about, um, in my generation, it was about impressing, you know, the other sex or, you know, whomever you wanted to impress. And so, um, you know, it, you you tried to you wanted to look good for them, right? And it, it, it was what it, do whatever it takes to, to try to look like you don't have a belly hanging over your, your belt, right? Um, so if you had to go starve yourself to fit into a, a tux for prom or whatever, you did what you had to do or for wrestling to meet weight or, or whatever you need to do. It was just accepted at the time. And, I, and it still is quite a bit, right? But for me, it went even deeper because I was so worried about what other people thought of my work, even as a kid. I was one of those kids in, in school that uh, 
you know, straight A's were barely enough for me. I mean, I had to do whatever I could to get the A pluses. And I really pushed myself, yeah. you know, and I was rewarded in life for that, but it was an unhappy, unhealthy life, you know, up until just not too long ago where I started to realize I can just kind of let go of all that. But, uh, you know, that just came, reflected right back into how I looked. And I was not an in shape or a fit guy as a kid, but I did everything I could, you know, to try to get that way. You need everything from, okay, um, I'm just going to quit eating X, you know, at age 14 or 15, trying to, you know, like the other guys did, just, you know, quit dairy or something like that in order to, to get this type of physique. And it never worked, of course, but always thinking about that, of how I looked, because I, I, wasn't the, I wasn't a handsome guy, I wasn't a fit guy or anything like that. It just was always on my mind. So again, that's probably another big reason, I'm doing my own therapy here, I guess, a little bit, Summer, but maybe why <laughs> I focus so much on school and trying to be perfect in that one area. But it, but then, you know, as I got married, wonderful, wonderful lady, my wife, um, you know, still, I just didn't feel comfortable in my own skin with who I am. And it was never anything that she sent to me or anyone else. You know, I can actually say, I, no, you know, I was never, ever called fat or, you know, teased or anything like that. I was always one of the guys that could get along with everybody. Um, I, I wasn't one of those guys that did a whole lot of self-deprecating humor about my body or myself. I guess I'm fortunate that I didn't fall into that for myself, but mm. I, I could get along with everybody because I knew how to not start any conflicts. Um, you know, and I, 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 I've had, I don't know you've ever had this applied to you, but I've been told I'm the ultimate diplomat. I can, I can work myself out of any situation. And, and part of that's a compliment, but the other part of that's kind of a, Ooh, you don't really stand for anything, right? And uh, <laughs> people pleasing, people pleasing. Yes, it's that people pleasing thing, and and that goes right back to my my the my body and how I looked at myself, and and I I guess I don't I I wasn't truly one of those type of folks where again I would starve myself for weeks to try to do something, but I was definitely never happy with who I am, and and, and speaking as a guy, you know, we never talked about these thoughts or feelings. We would just look at each other. You know, and or we'd look at ourselves and say, you know what, I'm getting pretty fat, you know, and we'd all chuckle, ha, 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 yeah, we need to do something about that. <clears throat> and um, again, the, 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 the images that we always saw on television about the ideal guy and, you know, we're at, or we're out playing baseball, you know, you want to be able to take your shirt off um, or, you know, basketball, skins on shirts, right? You know, those, those type of situations I would almost freak out about just because I didn't want to, you know, even at, you know, age 14 or 15, uh, you know, I, I carried a few extra pounds up top and, uh, you know, you got man boobs going on and you don't want to be that, you know, 14, 15 year old kid, you know, being skins. And again, no one, I had, I grew up in a really great environment with the kids didn't te tease each other. We didn't really have any bullying going on. I don't know if that's a tribute to my school district or to just generally the, the area I grew up in, but, uh, I was just always so self-conscious of that all the time. Cause you never saw guys on television with, you know, boobs, um, you know, that just what didn't happen. And fortunately I didn't get teased about it because I can only imagine if I did, I would just have melted and died. Mm -hmm. There, there's, there's just a lot to, um, body image. I think when it comes, to, comes to guys, it's a little bit different than women. I mean, I can't imagine being a woman in today's environment or a young girl. There's just so much uh, to deal with. And so I, I guess what I'm saying from a guy's perspective, it's different, but it's definitely not quite as difficult as it is with a woman. Uh, I, I realize that just being flat out honest, the, uh, the objectification of, of women is just so severe that, uh, if I were to raise daughters today, I don't know how I would be able to handle that and try to teach them. I mean, other than just being strong women, I, I guess I always say I'm fortunate that I'm raising three boys because, uh, it's a tough world for young ladies out there, but uh -huh. it's different, obviously, you know, for, for guys and girls, because for guys now, and I, and I'm worried about this for my boys and I see this in one of my sons, I won't, I won't say which one, but, um, he's already worried about how he looks, you know, he's, he, I always try to explain this to the boys, but you're going to grow into your weight. It's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's just part of puberty, you know, different parts of your body grow at different stages. And, and one of my boys is, 
really, really worried about himself. And his mom and I, we do everything we can to, you know, not talk about, you know, body image or how people look or someone's overweight or not. Um, we're just really focusing on, you know, healthy foods here in the house and healthy exercise. Like I was telling you on our, our trip, you know, it was all about running and, and walking trails, you know, just feeling your body out in the sun and feeling good. It was, that's what we're trying to focus on here. But he's dad, you know, look at that guy and, or look at me and I'm not happy with, I mean, I'm actually hearing this from a young, one of my boys and it just, it's almost heartbreaking, but I recognize that was me, but I never had the courage as a kid to, to talk about that. Right. Whereas here in our house, we're just being very open about emotions and our feelings, you know, and I think that's allowing him to at least start to explore that openly with his mom and myself. And I'm so fortunate for that. I'm so, so thankful for that. But, you know, the reason he's seeing that is not just from television, but all the crap that's out there on the Internet. And he's hearing it from his friends at such a young age. And, and again, I'm like, wow, it's just amazing to think that these boys are talking like that, you know, get you know, get teased about a, a little bit of a belly at this age. That just boggles my brain. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, I think so much of your story like parallels, you know, my own and, my, you know, I, so I, the problem is certainly there's, you know, the, the society we live in like absolutely puts more pressure on women and, and, you know, the object, objectification of women is certainly, a massive issue that still, that still exists. But, uh, you know, that, that, that doesn't exclude men from, from having these issues and being part of that uh, equation. And, um, I stumbled on, I forget what, what I was doing, but I I clicked through to like a men's health, uh, article and like this pop-up came up and it just, I think it said like, do you want shredded abs? And, (laughs) and, um, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I, you know, and, and being of the mindset I'm in now, I was like, Oh, I'm like, man, they do this to men too. You know, like it's, it's there. And you look at any, any of those magazines, like whether it's men's health or GQ, I mean, it is so appearance focused and, um, and so, yeah, I can absolutely see how it, you know, it can manifest in, in, in men as well. And I think it's so great that you've created, I mean, I think the best you can do with, with your children is just be good role models and which I think that you are absolutely probably the best role model that, that your children could have. Um, but it is so good that, you know, that your son was open to just even talk about it and express it because I feel like there's, you know, a lot of shame in, in talking about that, especially, especially with men. You, you nailed that so well. It was, you know, for men, it's about being strong, right? So you can't be vulnerable at all. You have to be strong. That's the kind of goes back to the whole real men don't cry type of, you know, uh, line that's been fed to generations of men. You know, again, I'm not a big crier, but you know, if I'm emotional, I'll talk to my wife about something, you know, and you need to be able to have that outlet. Unfortunately, for, for men, and I and I think a lot of this does come from women towards men, as well as a lot of women expect men to be strong, both mentally and physically. Um, and so men don't want to let either their wives down or their girlfriends down, and they think less of themselves when they can't be strong, you know. And 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 physically, that's just an outward side of it, but it's about being able to share. Uh, what you're going through and asking for help for men. That's just, that's just like the ultimate no, no. I mean, I, I did that myself. I told you how many years was I just that secret guy going to the library, pulling out those books, trying to study up for myself. I, who's the guy that didn't ask for help from any type of therapist to try to work through these type of issues? Me here raising my hand. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. You know, cause I didn't want to ask for help. I was Again, this is not a problem with my parents, but it was me not wanting to ask for help for fear of what someone may think of me being weak, you know, or just even me worried about what they think of me versus what they would say of me, you know, and then the word getting out amongst my friends. And so, yeah, that's exactly it. It's that shame of uh, of being perceived as weak or less than both physically and mentally mm-hmm. for guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought exists in women absolutely as well. There's so much fear in sort of being perceived as, 
as as weak. I see that. Uh, I, I know that's very true with me, myself, for sure. That resonates in so many different areas of my life. I could record a whole podcast about that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, and so for you, you know, how did you decide to share your story and, 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 and decide that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to own that this, this part of myself and I, that's it. Good. I, I was tired of hiding with mm. it. I, once I started to see success with myself, one, it was, you know, a lot of it was pride. I'll, I'll admit I was proud that I was able to kind of handle that challenge after all of these years. That was sort of like the typical person that loses all the weight and kind of want, wants to walk around and say, look at me. Well, for me, it was like, oh my God, I finally overcame something that spent almost 20 years on my shoulders crushing me internally. I want to talk about it. And then two, like we talked about before, my give a damn kind of, you know, of had, had gone away. I was learning to let go of worrying about what other people thought about me. And then obviously the podcasting, I just love podcasting and just to be able to talk, give it a voice to let both men and women hear my own challenge and, 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 and to share then just real world techniques. That was the big one for me, by the way, I am such a big believer in people sharing information of, you know, what, what works for you, uh, what doesn't work for you, and just being honest about it, or it worked today but it didn't work tomorrow, just sharing this information with others is so powerful. And unfortunately, you'll go back or you'll go into a library or a bookstore and read a 400-page book about issue X. And I always say this to so many people, I could read that whole book and be finished and write on probably a single note card a core, <laughs> a core idea or yeah. two of what I, I, you know, a takeaway and that's it. I'm like, man, I just invested all this time. And, and, you know, a person, they wrote a great job telling their story or, you know, kind of their different struggles. But what did they specifically do? And that was a big reason for the podcast is I wanted, just like you're doing with me today, to be able to reach out as a podcaster and talk with people and, and have them share their own personal, you know, tools that they use. That was just so neat to me to think I could start a podcast like that. And so with that whole energy of, you, I've, 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 yeah, I've fixed one of the biggest challenge. Not fixed. I've, I figured out how to start overcoming one of the biggest challenges in my life, my binge eating and my own perception of myself. I wanted to talk about that. You know, of course, just like everything else in life, you know, you, pride cometh before the fall, right? So, you know, that <laughs> that was all going really good and strong for me until you know I started really understanding what my core problem was was my self judgment and perfectionist side it wasn't about the whole eating side of things but at the time I thought a lot of it was but uh, that's what really uh, made me want to start that podcast was that that success that I had and wanting to share that with everybody else with no no uh how try to say this um People didn't have to give me anything for it. I just wanted to share everything I knew with folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's so great that you do. I just, I mean, I really, really do admire everything that you do and what you're putting out in, in the world. So let's talk about your story and sort of that how piece for you in terms of how you overcame binge eating a little bit deeper. Let's um, kind of dive into that. I know... I know you mentioned um, meditation to sort of handle that, you know, that inner dialogue and, and to handle what you called your monkey mind. Do you want to talk about how, how that sort of helped you or the, the role sure. that that played in, in your recovery? Sure. Well, the, uh, the meditation piece, I never understood what meditation was um, all these years, every time you hear, and I'm sure a lot of people are thinking this right now, meditation, you think of some Buddhist monk on a mountain, <laughs> you know, in a lotus position, uh, doing this for hours on end. I understood, I became aware of it. Um, I can't remember the exact book, but suddenly I found one book and I'm like, this is fascinating. And I started reading another one. I started reading all sorts of articles about the power of mindfulness and and just being able to quiet your mind and and and, and learning who you are from the inside versus it, for what so many of us do is we tune out from ourselves and so I I wanted to to start this and it really is not hard and there's nothing to it if, if meditation becomes an ordeal for someone you're doing it wrong right it needs to it's about learning to uh, just just be with yourself and listen to your emotions and just watch them come and go like a river coming in front of you. 
Um, and, and just being okay with that. That's kind of like the first major step. And for me, I never had done that in my entire life. I mean, when it came to emotional intelligence for myself, Summer, I would give myself the world's biggest F on every emotion, not understanding what emotions were for myself um, and that the emotions weren't me. So meditation and mindfulness allowed me to, and, and, and some of the books were helpful. They kind of gave me some different techniques that worked uh, for me and some of them didn't. So the, the, that was good. But the whole idea of it is just mindfully understanding that emotions come and go and being able to sit there and just let them come and go. So I was that night eater and I learned in the evening time when I wasn't, com- I mean, I still struggle with a lot of feelings at the time, but if it was just a typical day at work or, you know, struggled with the kids or, or whatever, and, and then that evening I'm all alone, when those those feelings would come up, typically I would have found myself in the kitchen eating. I was learning at that point, okay, hey, hey I, I, I got, here's that feeling again. I'm literally, oh, I, I could feel it coming. And, and I would just force myself to sit in my chair and just start breathing slowly and rhythmically um, and just let that feeling come over me and, and just let it pass by. That helped me so much, just that basic type of mindfulness. And then I began a meditation practice where every morning, um, and I've not been really great about this all throughout the years, but at the time I really focused on this because I, I had to save myself. I mean, I was getting bad with the binge eating and how much weight I was putting on and how bad I felt. And, and my health, by the way, I don't think I mentioned this. I had the world's most high blood pressure and my cholesterol levels were incredible. I had to get this under control. My doctor was really scared for me. I was going to be one of those early 40 type of death deaths that you read about. Yeah. You know, you know, when the guy leaves three kids, you know, that I couldn't handle that. So I really took this so seriously. So I... The meditation was a nice practice in the morning. It allowed me to start the day off wonderfully, just sitting for 20 minutes and just actually going through kind of a little meditation routine. But that helped me in the evening then for when those uh, urges came, I could kind of click into a semi-state of that meditative mind, more of just a general mindfulness state, and keep myself from getting my butt out of the chair and going to the kitchen and being okay with certain feelings. And again, it wasn't 100% successful, but it really helped with a lot of it. You know, and then for over three to six months, it every every week just got a little bit better. One less binge, you know, another less binge in another week. And it just got better. Didn't quite um, handle it fully because I, I don't think I quite had complete grips on it. But it, I just wasn't overwhelmed all the time. I wasn't anxious all the time because the meditation just, again, that meditative practice in the morning helped start the day off on a better tone. I mean, I was, I was the type of guy somewhere I would pop out of bed and this was for I did this for 20 years, jump out of bed and just go, ran right to my laptop, started handling emails, started handling crap on my phone and issues and never took time out for myself unless it was to go eat. <laughs> I think so many people can relate to that. They wake up and the first thing they think of is their to-do list. <laughs> yes. And that was me. I never, I never actually had that morning time. And by the way, my, my parents were wonderful about this. I, I looking back as a kid, I wish I would have I would have learned more. My parents were the type, they had such busy jobs. They were both uh, self-employed. So you know how that is. You, you work in more than 60 plus hours a week. They learned to get up at four o'clock in the morning and they would just sit together and they would both read a book and drink their coffee and just have quiet time. And if it was beautiful out in the morning, they would actually go out on the deck with a, you know, a light to read. And that's their, that was their kind of meditative moment. And I remember my dad talking about that. And I never did that. I was, again, you know, whatever amount of sleep I can get, I'm going to try to get and then go hit the world. And I never had that quiet time. And that helped me so much realizing that I needed to make time for that practice. You know, I'm worth 20 minutes, you know, and it, and it did help. So I guess I could say that's probably the biggest uh, thing uh, that I did technique wise was starting a meditation practice and learning how to be mindful when those urges came up. You know, and, and it always helped me too to always say, okay, if the if the mindfulness isn't helping here, I got to have something to do. And one of my things to do was get up and, and go work on something fun in my office. And I still do that to this day. You know, if I still if I feel an urge, you know, I can kind of work myself. If I can't, my mindfulness isn't helping me with it. I just get myself out of the situation and come down to my office. My office is in the basement <laughs> of our house, and I'll work on something that's fun. 
of a project that I'm working on, you know, and just, just try to change the tone of what's going on in my mind of, okay, well, you're feeling crappy. Let's go do something that's fun. That's not mindlessly watching TV or clicking around the internet. You're working on this, this book or this fun little outline of something, you know, that's been helping me tremendously. And I started doing that years ago. That's been one of the best little techniques I've ever had for myself is, is to actually go find something fun that uses your mind to take your mind off of those feelings. I think so many of us are just bored we just kind of get caught up in our minds, but that, that was, that, that's me. And then I guess the next big piece of it for, for the binge eating, because <clears throat> again, I was down to where I was finally only binge eating maybe once a week, sometimes twice a week. Um, by the way, I, w- I was almost binge eating every night through these years. That's how bad it was. When you put that many calories in the body, you can only imagine how big I was. <laughs> and wow. I was very good about, about, by the way, about not having any photos <laughs> of myself. You know, when family photo time came up, I was just always magically not there, you know, back to that body image. I was so ashamed of who I, or how I looked at the time. I cover it in a suit, but you know how it is on the weekends when you're out there, you know, in your shorts or your jeans or whatever. It's, it's just kind of all out there. You don't have a, a suit jacket covering it up. So, uh, I don't have any photos from that time, but um, the, the next big thing that helped me out with the binge eating was, um, again, I'm still having these binges maybe once a week, is I, I found uh, Catherine Hansen's book, Brain Over Binge, and I had never heard of this technique, but it was called AVRT, the Addictive Voice Recognition Technique, and I guess if I were to summarize that very quickly, it's just learning that you we all have this ad- you know, if we're kind of, we're creatures of habit, right? We're creatures of patterns and binge eating. It can, you know, for all the mental side of it that forces you to get into it, it it is a habit loop, right? You know, it may take uh, perfectionistic feelings and, and, and bad emotional ties that leads us into it. But once we kind of fall into that spiral it, beca- it takes on its own life. And that's what I was trying to break out of at that yeah. point in, in my life. I mean, I was starting to understand my emotions, but my habits and my neural pathways in my brain were so wired for that, that wanting that, that hit of dopamine when I would go eat. You know, I, I, that's what I was still struggling with. And the AVRT technique, it's kind of like a basically a cognitive behavioral technique. It's just recognizing this is this feeling that I'm having right now. It's not me. It's not necessarily an emotion. It's just that very lower part of my brain, almost near the limbic system of my brain, that once that dopamine hit and I, my higher self, I'm better than that in my, you know, this is how you kind of say to yourself that this is what I would do. And I don't need that. I'm not going to fall into that tonight, you know, and just kind of having that rational conversation with yourself, looking, you know, again, you're kind of putting yourself into that third person as you're talking about you (laughs) in your own head. Yeah. Separate yourself. Yeah. I'm not doing a good job describing this, but that's how I'd have to do it. It's sort of like I'm having a conversation with myself about myself who's standing right over there saying, no, this is what's going on with your brain, dude. You know, you're just, you're hooked on this feeling and you got to say no to that tonight. And you can do that. You just, just say no, you know, with it. You don't, you don't need that. Um, and I was then at that point able to just using those techniques, it began to completely stop and it, it took several months. I will be very clear and honest to make it to where I didn't have, I mean, I was starting then at that point to go several weeks, a month between binges and it never completely stopped. Stop. And I think I was, I fell, I fell into that gray area summer of, you know, what do you consider binge eating disorder versus, you know, active versus full recovery versus partial recovery. You know what I'm saying? It's just all that gray area. Recovery is always a gray area. It is. And and you just got to kind of know, be comfortable with where you're at within it, you know, and I finally was able to be comfortable with myself, you know, Hey, if I really overate one night, you know, or whatever, as long as I, as long as I was conscious of what I was doing. I considered that a win, right? Binge eating disorder and, and falling into that whole mindless just going and stuff in your face and feeding yourself until you just didn't, you almost were kind of numb, right? I didn't have that anymore. I was able to, 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 to just be conscious all the time. And I think the meditation helped me out a lot. And, I, and I've had this conversation a lot with different folks who listen to my podcast. A lot of them will say, well, I've tried Catherine's book and you know, it works for a while, but it's not helping me all the time. I, I like to share just, just my struggle of my story of the meditation, I think, for me, helped me tremendously. Coming up with that meditation uh, process and that mindfulness, 
before I started using the AVRT technique, it that's what really helped me, I think, the most. Just having that mindfulness about myself because it taught me some real insight into my emotions and myself that I needed, I think, before I actually started using that AVRT technique. And some people can use the AVR technique straight up and within a couple of weeks or a month, they're able to stop themselves from consistently binge eating. I wouldn't have been one of those people. If I was to try that AVR technique early on in my struggle, I don't think it would have worked for me as well. I needed to have that, that set of mindfulness experiences and learning how to meditate to be able to, success, to successfully use that. So I guess, again, another long story. I'm sorry, Summer, I could, I could rattle on forever about this, but that's basically was the meditation and then working in the AVRT, AVRT the addictive voice recognition technique that finally enabled me to uh, get full control over it. No, that's so interesting. Never apologize for that. I think like so much of that was helpful. And I, and, you know, everybody has their own path to, to recovery and just different things click with different people and work with different people. And it's just, it's so good to hear, um, you know, just your, your experience and what, you know, what was able to, to work for you. And, um, yeah, really interesting that the meditation played such a huge role because that was one of the things that I was going to ask you was how did you start to bring mindfulness to it when you were, when you you mentioned at the beginning that it was just like you this would happen and then it would almost be like you would wake up afterwards and be like, what did I just do or how did that it, just happen? Well, I, the big kick in the butt was that doctor's visit and, and seeing my blood, again, I'm one of those typical guys that doesn't go see a doctor, but I had to, I had to, I was feeling so bad. And when your blood pressure results are, God, what, what was that one? It was 180 over 110. It was scary. And the doctor wouldn't let me leave until I took some blood pressure medicine that day. you know. And then he, he read me the riot act about the cholesterol pills I had to get on because I, was, I had some, some numbers that would just freak people out. I mean, mm. that's how bad it was. We all kind of need our – I've heard this said um, from different people, but we all need to have our moments. And that was my big moment of I got to get this figured out. And that's when I doubled down on reading You know what really helps people when it comes to managing these type of issues. And that's what led me to the meditation and mindfulness. And that's what made me – I mean I had to get this figured out. I, I wouldn't have lived for many more years if I didn't. So I, you know, I actually had a clock ticking down. I, 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 and, and by the way, I'm – it's genetics in my family, it turns out. The men don't live very long. And I knew this going into it, but that thing, God, I, I went to the doctor when I did. And um, I, I haven't shared it here. I lost my dad to diabetes at age 55. Oh, so, wow. you know, it's, it, it's <laughs> yeah. You uh, And his, by the way, wasn't necessarily from an eating challenge. His actually had a, a pancreas uh, issue um, with him. So it wasn't... Uh, that, but all the grandfathers in our family died in their forty or forties and fifties, right? Oh my so, it, yeah, yeah, not the, and and, you've, and I'm sure we've heard this from different people, but genetics loads the gun, yeah. but our behavior is what pulls the trigger. I at that point, I was so close to, <laughs> to pulling that trigger and putting that bullet in my head with uh, what I was doing to my body, and I, I couldn't do that to my kids or my wife. So that's that was the big. Uh, external thing that pushed me towards making that change and forcing myself to meditate. I mean, I had to force myself. I, otherwise, if I didn't have that uh, pressure over my head um, of, you're going to die, dude, uh, I don't know if I necessarily would have really tried as hard. I mean, that's what allowed me to do 20 years of just kind of kicking by and, and working through it. There wasn't the big, um, here's what's going to happen to you if you continue down this path. But that doctor's appointment was a big one. Yeah, I think we all have to hit a bit of a rock bottom before we <laughs> decide to take serious action to do things about uh, some of the little demons that we have in the in our closet. Well, I, I do want to mention one thing, though. The doctor hit my one point. He said, he goes, you're too weak to change this yourself. He goes, you, he goes, you got to go on. He goes, I, he literally said this to me. He goes, I never had a patient who's ever been able to change this without medication. That's what pissed me off, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I finally had someone say, you can't do this. And maybe that's what, maybe he was playing me. I don't know, but I was so pissed off at the time. I never went back to that doctor, but, uh, you know, it's like, you are too weak is what he said to make these changes in your life that you need to change in order to help yourself. And again, I never admitted to him that I was binge eating. He just thought I was just eating McDonald's every day, which I wasn't. I literally didn't eat fast food. It was just eating so much and so much crap at night, you know? That that was my biggest challenge. Oh, well, buffets. You know, if I'd go to a buffet, I would overdo a buffet, of course. But uh, 
that's what really got me. It's like he kind of threw down the gauntlet and said, you can't change yourself. And that's what really threw me into finding something or technique that really worked. And that's what led me toward the meditation, all these results and or reports and studies about meditation. And I'm like, I got to try this for myself, you know, and that's what pushed me that direction. And that's what started it all. Yeah, it's amazing. And so, um, as we get closer to the end here, but before we wrap up, I really want to ask you, you mentioned that, you know, your give a damn went away and that you just, you stopped caring about what others think of you. How did you, how did you go about doing that? What, what sort of, what helped you? Cause I, I've got my own like techniques there, but I'd love to hear yours. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think, it's been a gradual process, by the way. It wasn't like this overnight, aha, I of don't course. care, right? <laughs> so it's been over the years. So I think it was that first seeing real success with that demon of binge eating all those years, right? So now I'm like, I have beat the demon kind of attitude. So that's what a big one. You know, Here it is, man on a mountain beating his chest, oh, you know, try to overcome, start the podcast. And when you start a podcast, you know this better than anyone else. You put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And once I started doing that, I wasn't getting... I wasn't getting nuked. You know what I'm saying? I actually had people that were so incredibly supportive and were getting um, value out of what I was sharing. It it made me feel so good about what I was doing with it. So I just would start to share more. And it made me feel so good about sharing more. And the podcast um, has changed my life. It's changed my business, my business models. Uh, just because I would try different things within the podcast or with people that were, um, you know, subscribed to the blog, offering different ideas to help out or different tools like, you know, apps and that, uh, the, the success and the results that people were seeing from that just made me feel really good about myself. Um, and, and so I realized if I start sharing more of myself and just started giving things away or just letting people more on the inside, it was better for me as well, right? It's it's the strangest thing to explain. If you look at someone, an economist, I guess, would look at you and say, are you nuts? You can't be just doing this or giving that information away. I tell you, there's a direct benefit to me. And so as I was going down that path of sharing more about myself, my give a damn levels just kept going down and down and down. Because when you Summer, I'm sure you get these emails, right? Several times a week, I get an email from someone that just said, I just went through all your podcasts and you can't believe what it's done for me. I've literally hit day 60, you know, of no binges. And you get that type of feedback back and you realize that's because you allowed yourself to be vulnerable and you're sharing yourself and who you are and you're being more authentic. It just turns into a positive cycle for yourself. And so at this point, I don't care who knows or or what they think. I just want to put it out there because it's just, it's just helping me helping other folks. That's that. And it's just been that positive loop of, of, of doing that. And I know a lot of people don't have the podcast platform, you know, and, and, and maybe for other folks, maybe it's just, you know, connecting with one or two people and, 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 and being very authentic and very real and very, very vulnerable. But I've noticed that situation with my wife and I, our relationship has never been stronger than the last three or four years, you know, ever since I started that podcast and was able to become, how about, how would we say more emotionally mature about myself? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't just stoic, hard ass guy, you know, running, you know, all these different accounts and all that stuff. I actually became a human, <laughs> um, you know, and as a dad, I became a human dad and, you know, it's, I, I tell you, there's nothing better than hugging and kissing your kids and, you know, telling them I love you. I, I could never say that years ago, Summer. I couldn't, honestly. But now it's just, I realize there's so much positive benefit to bringing down the shields mm-hmm. and, and just being who you are. That um, for someone, and I realized that if this were me five years ago, hearing me talking right now, I would say, You're so full of, you know what? You know, that's not <laughs> the truth. I'm just, I'm here to say it is. It's just so amazing to be authentic. I say this all the time to my friends. I'm being authentic to myself, you know, who I am and who I want to be. And, and part of that is that whole, I don't care what other people say, you know, you're not making one tenth as much money as you did back when you're in corporate and, you know, you're running your own business, but not running my own business is so much more fulfilling for me. It's not about the money, you know, it's about, doing what I want to do and just kind of exploring that process and living for the first time ever in my life. I guess 
that is so big for me right now. I'm actually living. I never lived up until age almost 40. I am now living now, and it feels so good. It it just, I, I can't say, there's not words to describe it, I guess, for me, other than I got, I had to drop the shields. I had to, you know, it's not like I'm, and by the way, my give a damn doesn't mean I go off and say nasty things about people or my opinion. To me, it's just like, hey, Live and let live. If someone wants to do whatever they want to do, that's fine. You know, as long as it's not directly hurting my family, do whatever you want to do. I, my give a damn just means I don't care what other people say about me because it doesn't affect me at all. It just, I just need to live my own authentic life for myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, that me, yeah, I, that, that resonates so much with me. And it, you, you said it so well. And I think, I think, you know, you're just kind of talking about living your life. I feel like that for me, at least I described that as just like finally finding that like inner peace that wasn't there before. And I feel like you can't really put a value on that. It's just, um, it's, but it is it, that, that sense of peace then allows you to just kind of connect with the desires and live the you kind of a life in alignment with what you always wanted that you were sort of running away from before. Running away from before. Yes. <laughs> Why was I so scared? I yeah. can't. I don't know. I wish I could go back and talk to the me at age 12, 15, 20. But then again, oh, yeah. I, I don't think I could have made the changes at the time without living through the pain. I, exactly. Do you, do, you, do you struggle with the regrets a little bit? I know you and I talked about this a little bit, but just, just kind of going back on that. I mean, I, I, I sometimes I struggle with regret thinking, man, so many years didn't not lived. But uh then the other part of me realizes, I don't think I could have gotten to this point and who I am without having lived through that struggle. How about you? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't, um, because I feel like so much of that put me where I am today. And so, so much of the struggle, I almost see it as like, oh, that was actually really a positive part of my journey. Like, it's almost like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a friend of mine sort of calls it like you rewrite your own story as your hero's story. And so I've sort of become like the hero of my own story. So instead of seeing it as something I regret, it's just like, it was just a part of, of, of that journey to become my own hero. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I will not give credit. Uh, that's uh, So uh, my friend Cam DePutter, she's been on my podcast once before. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it was like maybe even episode six about sharing your story. And that's that's something that she kind of talks about in, in the work that she does with women, which is really amazing. But um, yeah, and, 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 uh, and so that's kind of the... The perception that I have of it, I'm sure there's like small things I regret. Like I think I really regret I was really mean to other to other kids growing up, and I was like super critical of of other women's bodies and stuff. And I knew that mm. I know now, obviously, that came from my own insecurities. And so I'll give a big public apology to anyone's feelings that I ever hurt. Like I I do deeply regret those things, but I know that was that was all just coming from my own messed up perception of myself. Yes. Oh my God. In doing the same thing, I I should apologize for so many things as well. For me, it was uh, looking at other men and and saying, you're not strong, Uh right? You know, and and that was in my head. It wasn't like I went out and said that to anybody else, but it was always in my head. And that's, that's a, that's a inner dialogue I hear from so many other guys too, is uh, when you see a man who is vulnerable, sometimes the very first thing, it's our biases of what we've been raised is you're just not strong. You're weak. Therefore, you know, your story is not valuable. You're not going to help me conquer the world or get the women or get the wealth. That's just such a man thing. And I realized I, I was, uh, I fell victim to that. And it was a message that was constantly rattling in my own head. And I'm going to tell you what, it feels so good to be free of that right now. I don't, it's taken years and years and years, but I don't feel that anymore. For me, you know, it's just now it's that whole I want to connect with people no matter what their story or where they're at in life. Cause I, it, it was such a reflection of who I was at the time. Uh-huh. And, and I, and I realize that now too, with so many people that either are angry or afraid, it's the, the reflection or not angry or afraid, but say mean, nasty, th- nasty things about other people or have poor opinions or I don't know, folks that are dealing with different biases or, whatever you want to call it, um, it's their own insecurities is what it really is. And I was literally that type of person myself. And mm-hmm. just being authentic with yourself, you realize, wow, <laughs> there's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of crap to unpack with a lot of, a lot of that. Oh, yeah. A lot of layers to peel back. The onions 
<laughs> massive. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Really well, I'm glad described. we got that off of our chest. <laughs> um, so tell me about the your new project, your inner effort project. Oh, yeah. Podcast. Thank you. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Everyone, we, we go through these different phases, and I, I started my, my big project. Uh, was was quit binge eating and then my my listeners know that uh you know I, I from there the podcast changed into progress not perfection and that's been a wonderful podcast because i you know struggling with my own perfectionist issues it's been a great way for me to reach out to others and and understand more about myself but over all these podcasts that i've done i've always wanted to create a project that's nothing else other than the how of making a change and about the it's about the inner how of making a change right there's so much so much information out there and so many people talk about strategies and so many people talk about high level frameworks i even though i got straight a's through through middle school and high school if i couldn't understand the how of something i became the most frustrated angry person in the world and i still kind of have that tendency about myself um, when, when I talk with an expert or I was talking with a teacher as a kid, they would just say, simply do this. And I'd be like, okay, I'm over here at point A, you're over at point Z. I don't know how you got from A to Z, but you're just telling me just to get to Z. It would just frustrate the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there's so much to the how, the tactics of making that change, right? Uh, you know, back years ago, we used to have, a, you know, people would have to be an apprentice for five, seven years before they could actually be deemed worthy to go out and do something. Um, you know, and, and we don't ever account for the time that it takes to make the change. And that's what I've always been really frustrated about with the help, the whole self-help industry is read my book and you'll magically have everything figured out. Right. Wow. You're, you're missing the 10,000 hours that it takes to get from A to Z, right? We all just kind of blo- you know, gloss over that because of the marketing crap that goes along with so much of that. So what I wanted to do was start this inner effort to focus on the inner how of making a change, you know, making a change or overcoming a struggle in our lives. And so in this project, and I have several interviews already completed, is I bring on different experts, coaches, life coaches, and, and sporting coaches, and I want to get inside their own heads about their inner hows. You know, what was their struggle in their life? You know, it, we're, we're talking to folks that struggle with eating disorders, folks that struggle with anxiety, depression, um, folks that even struggle just with maybe some things that some people would say, well, maybe that's not a big challenge. But to them, it was a huge challenge. And so, we're t- we, you know, I asked them to go through their inner how of how they made the change. How did they coach themselves through those moments, through those day-to-day you know, processes to make the change? Because to me, going back, I think I made this comment when we were talking, is I could read a major book about some issue, you know, and it's more like a strategic or framework type of book about how to make change X, but I would never walk away with any real tactics, right? Or any real examples, and that's what I want this podcast inner effort to be all about, all about the inner efforts that our guests had to made had had to make for themselves, not what they teach others, not what they uh, coach others on, but what they had to do and still do for themselves. Because just like with my binge eating and my perfectionist tendencies, I still got that monkey mind constantly going on in my head. Yeah. I still got these I still got these horrible thoughts that go through my head. Um, about certain things, but I've learned, you know, through my own techniques and I kind of have my own little pet techniques of, you know, things I got to tell myself or, uh, I got little practices that I have to do every morning. Otherwise, if I don't go through those little practices, my day is kind of not as good as it could be. And if I consistently don't follow those practices, my day really turns into a bad day, into a bad week, into a bad month. And so, uh, that's what inner effort is going to be all about is uh, talking with people about tactics and specifics about uh, what they do for themselves. So cool. I'm so excited for that. I love that. I love that concept, and I, and I love that direction that you're taking it, and I just think it's so helpful. So um, where will people be able to find that? Uh, well, the podcast will be launching the end of June, 1st of July, 2015, and they can find that at innereffort.com. Um, and it will be listed in iTunes as Inner Effort, I-N-N-E-R-E-F-F-O-R-T. And uh, if, if they can't find it that way, I'll have plenty of links from Progress Not Perfection, uh, the, my current podcast, and uh, from my current blog. 
Awesome. Well, I will link to that in the show notes here for sure. And the last question as we wrap things up here that I like to ask all of my guests is what is the most fearless thing that you have done? <laughs> for me, it was starting this podcast. I was scared crapless with my very first uh, show <laughs> that I put out. I, I was shaking. I will admit that I was shaking when I put the show up on Libsyn for the very first time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, for, for a couple of reasons, one, am I technically doing this right? But two, I'm like, everyone's going to know, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. I was scared, but I didn't die from it. It didn't kill me. As a matter of fact, it's changed my life for so much the better. So that's a, uh, that was my biggest challenge. I'd hate, I hate, Maybe it sounds so easy to other people, but for me, I had never been so scared. I've, I've spoken in front of hundreds of people before. I've done all sorts of crazy things in my life. But to actually just put up my raw side, you know, and just and being more vulnerable with that, especially as a guy, I guess, that was the scariest thing I've done. That's awesome. That's so good. It is scary. It's frightening. I remember <laughs> like, like I used to get so nervous. I don't really anymore. Sometimes the odd time I will, but, uh, I, no, yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Just this like surge of anxiety before doing an interview. <laughs> like my palms <laughs> would be all sweaty. Oh <laughs> man. I used to be so scared yeah. before the interviews, but now like I'm like, I get to talk to Summer at 1230. You know, I was so excited to be able to sit down and talk with you. I just love, even though I'm on the other side, like you said, you flip the tables. This is still fun because we get to connect and have that conversation. Every interview is like that for me for the podcast. Are you noticing the same? Yes, I, I love it. I, I really, really do. And, and, you know, it's just, it's so great to connect with people and learn and, um, and to just give other people a platform to share their stories. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I totally understand, Summer. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of your time and sharing your story. And um, it, you, I just, I love chatting with you. We could go on and on forever. And I'm so excited about your new podcast. And um, I will absolutely link to that in the show notes and share it with my audience. And again, it's innereffort.com. And also just go back and check out all of the Progress Not Perfection podcasts that, that are out there because um, they're, they're just, they're amazing. And you're doing such incredible work. And I'm so glad that you came into my life and that we've had this, uh, this connection because, um, yeah, it's just, you're, you're a wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, I just love chatting with you about all this stuff. Summer, you've been a wonderful friend. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Rock on. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. If you like what you've heard, please head to iTunes and leave me a review. I would be so grateful if you took two minutes to do that for me. And don't forget to head to summerinandin.com or summerthenutritionist.com to grab your free rule breakers guide to rocking your bod. Until next time, rock on.